Oh, Dave Cook, thank you for teaching me that song. I was a country DJ a long time ago. I usually try to forget those days, but that's a country song I can tolerate. <laughs> little baseball to it. Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. A lot of baseball here in hour number two. Absolutely. Uh, that's what it's all about, Brian. It's fun. It's uh, it's what we do for a living. But let's talk first about our sponsors. Because I think our, I mean, we need to keep tipping our hat to the people that keep us on the air. Right? Absolutely, one of them is in the house. Absolutely, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about him in a second. Let's start with Brian Batman Mortgages with Supreme Lending, uh, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota at KohlerToyota.com, Kohler Hyundai at KohlerHyundai.com, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophy, The Incline Station, Famous Dave's once again, Brian, Famous Dave's relocated to at Hermantown. the new location in Hermantown. Going to be fun. We're going to get up there in March for a live show. We want everybody to get out there as soon as possible, as often as possible as well. Check the website out at www.famousdaves.com slash Hermantown. Also, Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May, Avenue 45, the Blackwoods Group. Brian, we're going to be involved in the Blackwoods Group here just a second as we got a really cool giveaway here. But remember, their wedding program for this summer and this fall, there's yes. still some dates available. And if you want to take a look at the program, you want to talk to Jax, right? You can, you can reach her at 218-722-7466. And our final sponsor, OAR Holdings of Duluth. Got to go back to Jax and Blackwoods, Graceland by Blackwoods. I have to uh, recommend that. I have to literally because I got married in that building. So my wife would say, what do you mean you didn't recommend doing that? It's it's a great experience. Certainly, it's a great experience to talk to Seth Marsalik about the 709 Baseball Good morning, sir. Welcome back to the madness that is this show. It is indeed madness. Well, happy to be happy to be back. It's good to have you, and it's good to have weather forecasts at least looking up. Probably not to baseball playable weather just yet, but when you see forty-two, the high forecasted for Wednesday, you know that your time is coming. I hope timing couldn't be better. I think uh, the cold snap is uh, behind us at this point. I've enjoyed. Uh, all morning outside in my community, and I'm sure many of our your listeners are doing the same. And with those warmer temps and the ice melting and the snow starting to trickle off, uh, baseball comes to mind. So it's not just talking about it because the weather's going to let us. The timing is right to register for 709 Baseball as well. Yep. Uh, registration's been open here for a couple weeks. Uh, we're rolling on that front. Uh, our affiliates are also doing it at the younger levels between – uh, Western Baseball out in West Duluth and uh, Lake Park Baseball uh, on the east side. So uh, go to any of those uh, 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 websites to uh, get your kids rolling uh, for the spring and summer. How's the numbers looking so far, Seth? Great. Um, I think uh, what we're trying to do and something we uh, do not only at the 709 level again but through the younger levels is take a look at what the aggregate participation rate is throughout the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year we're trying to push that north of 1,000 uh, youth uh, playing baseball in, wow. throughout the greater community. So um, that's ages 5 all the way up through like 14, 15 before we hand them off to their VFWs right. respective high school programs. But uh, the numbers uh, have been growing uh, incrementally over the past number of years, and uh, we're excited for another That's year. great to hear, Dave Cook, for a city that's not known for a spring or summer, to have 1,000 kids playing baseball, I'm on board. 100%, Brian, I agree 100%. That's what the show's built on, is our youth in our in our region. Hey, you know, the one group we're going to make pretty happy with the next sentence is Dan Johnson and the, and the umpires. Because if you're going to have 1,000 kids playing ball, there are going to be unlimited opportunities to start umpiring with kids uh, and getting your feet wet and making some decent money and moving up the ranks. Now well, it sounds like this is the summer to start. Right, and Seth, I want to segue off that because having a 1,000 kids is great. We've always been talking about officiating shortages no matter the sport. Is there going to be a little more, I don't want to say desperation, but certainly a need for umpires because if the kids are there, somebody's got to officiate these games as well. 
Yeah, I would say that maybe four or five years ago, before uh, the the Northland Umpires Developmental Alliance came in, yeah. NUDA is the acronym. Right. Um, it, that's where we found ourselves. You know, I think uh, the older officials were trying to double book, triple book games at nights for the older games, and it was uh, it was uh, reaching some critical stages, but. Um, through Chad Clore and Keith Johnson and, and Dan Johnson and these guys that really lead that uh, developmental alliance, uh, we've seen a, a complete 180 in terms of getting youth uh, back in the officiating, getting them properly trained, um, making them the most wealthy of all their friends around town. There you go. <laughs> uh, that seems to help. And uh, no, those kids, uh, you, you can, again, register your, your son or daughter to umpire uh, through our website as well. They get proper training in the spring and then go through a mentorship program throughout the spring and summer with senior-level umpires both during the weekday and on the weekends uh, to make it an enjoyable experience for them and uh, do away with some of the stigma that um, youth sports in general has had to combat. So mm-hmm. we're very happy with uh, the effort those guys have put in. Absolutely. So we are talking with Seth Marsalik of 709 Baseball. Now, there are going to be listeners out there that are saying, well, my kid's going to be ready to play baseball, or he'd be interested in that. Everybody's going to ask, at what cost? I had Mrs. Jablonski at East for economics. I don't know if you did, but that was the phrase that stuck with me, at what cost for everything? So any sport that any family is interested in, they're going to wonder, what's this going to run me? Sure. Uh, at the youngest levels, I think it's 50 75 bucks for your what used to be T-ball, I can tell you that T-ball is no more in the land of what we do. We are converting all of those kids to wiffle ballers this year. Wow. We're getting the big red bats uh, out in bulk, and uh, we're going to have a good time hitting the uh, hitting the, uh, the smush ball over the fence with those kids. That'll Dave, I think great. we need a Northland Sports Page wiffle ball tournament. I, I'm in. That would be something. Yep. I would do that. that. Sounds like a reverse sponsorship right there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so those young kids are playing for, again, pennies on the dollar. Um, the range for kids above that age is anywhere between 100 to $200 uh, for an entire season. That's t- uh, 10 to 12 weeks of baseball throughout the spring and summer. Again, there are additional levels to it beyond the rec house leagues. Mm-hmm. That's the quoted rec house league rate. Um, there's uh, uh, tournament team components on the weekends that come at an additional fee. But Again, all those things are defrayed. I think all of our families typically pay about 55 cents on the dollar compared to what the actual costs are through the fundraising efforts that our, our uh, fundraising committee puts forward. Reed Strelo reads that group for us and does an awesome job uh, defraying those costs for our families and uh, make it very equitable. For families that are in hardship, we also offer scholarships. And That's great. And there's a program, uh, through again, through our website that you can apply for a hardship. And uh, our objective is anybody that wants to play should play. Okay, so when they determine the levels, how is that done? Because pardon the terrible pun here, but there might also be parents listening that are going, my kid wants to play, but he knows more about Rainbow Trout than Mike Trout. He's not you know, the greatest hitter already. How are we going to cater to different levels of ability? How is that figured out? Sure. Uh, we take a look at them through the evaluation process in the spring and determine, regardless of age, where that uh, child is ready to participate. If uh, they're just new to the sport, we will put them in a developmental stage, regardless of their age. If they've been playing since they've been four and they're clearly well ahead of where their age group is, we also take that into consideration through our petitioning process. Our objective, regardless of age, is to make sure that each one of these kids gets a great experience. Sure. And that means playing with kids that are of likability. Right. 
So that's a real big focus for us. So you mentioned your website several times. Please give us that website again, because again, I think listeners are hopefully jotting down notes as they hear what they can do to join 709 Baseball. Sure. Uh, Duluth709Baseball.com. You can find all of our younger affiliates through that website as well. Uh, You can find us on IG. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We are real easy to find. They've run the social media gamut. That's always good to see. Seth Marsalek of 709 Baseball is with us. Going to stay with us through the end of the show today. You talked about handing off players to VFWs, to Legions, to high school teams. High schools, they make their biggest imprint by being part of the youth programs. How much help are you getting from Chris Sillendahl, Nick Garamoni, etc.? Joe Wicklins of the world. How much help are they giving this group? Yeah, those guys are integral to the programming that we have. They're offering um, coaching assistance whenever necessary. They are an active role. They take an active role in our evaluation process for slotting these kids into those ability levels. So we have third-party folks coming in at the, at the high school level to say, hey, this is where we see these kids lining up. And it really helps us in terms of sorting out where we want to play and who needs to be playing with who. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take a very active hand in that. And then at the el- elder levels, 13, 14, 15, these kids are moving into their VFW and or high school teams, and they know a ton more about those kids now than of they course. did before through that mutual bond that we have with each one, each one of our three high schools. Dave Cook, you got to figure that's a win-win because there's talent evaluation that 709 is doing, and by default, talent evaluation that high school coaches get to already have seen. Oh, well, that's absolutely true, and I remember bringing you know Aaron and to a point Avery up through up through the baseball ranks, and there was always a well, this coach decided this player wanted he wanted him on that team because it sounds like they've taken care of all that, which is really kind of cool. My question, Seth, is about playing uh, facilities, the play, the uh, fields. Now you talked about Lake Park, you talked about Western. Uh, what about some of the other um, fields that you're playing on? You're playing on the Eastern uh, fields. You're playing on the Central fields. I mean, where if a family's interested, where can they expect to uh, play ball? Sure. Through 709 and our affiliates, uh, we have, I believe, 14 fields at our availability. We use Lake Park Facility, which is six fields strong and supports an entire age group. We use the Western Fields. That's uh, two fields uh, right behind Wade Stadium, for those that are familiar. And then we also use the Wheeler Field Complex. Sure. So that is five fields over at Wheeler, plus the two out exterior fields over at Wade. And oftentimes, in working in conjunction with the city and Duluth Huskies, we're, uh, we are using the turf as much as possible, too. Oh, that's Nice. Cool. That's a huge get. Yep. So I want to talk a little bit about the timing. I kind of feel like I'm pseudo-Justin Lyles today, too, because I brought up weather so often. But I know your registration deadline is looming. And with the weather in our area, it's difficult to know when are we going to start playing baseball. Do you guys start at a certain date regardless and play indoors a little bit first if needed? How does this get started? Because, again, spring is so unpredictable. I say in Duluth, you can only find it for sure on a mattress. Yep. Uh, Our deadline for registration is going to go through the end of February here. So you've got, uh, what, three, three and a half weeks to go in terms of getting into our uh, calendar. Uh, Evaluations for uh, kids we consider majors and up, which would be 9U and up, will take place the middle of March. All those details, again, are on our website. Uh, and then as soon as those teams are formed, we are using the CSS Fieldhouse, potentially UMD, um, and other indoor facilities in the area, including Strike Zone, to get all of those teams aligned and playing inside, working on getting their arms loose, working on finding their swings. And then ideally, we like to try to get outside uh, mid-April. So uh, That does sound ideal for sure. I would yeah. hope that we can do that. I want to talk a little bit about 
kind of 709 baseball alums, if you will, because regardless of where you go, there are kids looking up to people that have gone through the same program. I'm going to be at East Basketball later today. I think you are too. You know, Rick Rickard, everybody wants to be the next him, Deami Starks, what have you. Who are some of the 709 baseball products that the young kids should be or are looking up to right now? Yeah, I would tell you that um, it's kind of a who's who within the high schools right now. Uh, I look at a kid like Nolan Harju, uh, who is going to be front and center for Denfeld this year as a sophomore. Uh, he uh, played a prominent role all the way through his days at 709 and prior at Western Baseball. Um, a kid like Max Beresford, uh, again, another sophomore uh, this, since the admin of 709. Uh, he's really leading the way for a Marshall group. Uh, I look at a kid like Charlie Sutherland, uh, right? Uh, Minnesota Gopher commit. He'll be a senior this year at Duluth East. Um, done some great things, not just for himself personally, but in terms of uh, reestablishing what's possible in our community. Uh, I'd say those those three are just three of uh, many examples in terms of kids that have come through 709 that are making it. He left out the Marsala kids on purpose. It's very humble. (laughs) But at the same time, what has that done at the prep level to get kind of the northern half of the state a little more respect? Because they are playing younger and developing better where, you know, we aren't just known as the abyss that doesn't have good enough weather to have spring sports. Northern Minnesota baseball has been pretty good. Yeah, at the at the youth levels through seven oh nine, we send multiple teams to the state tournament right. as part of MYS every year. Um, those teams, it's a you have to qualify to go to that state tournament. I would tell you about sixty percent of our teams have been qualifying, which is a very high clip compared to some of the other associations in the state. And we do well when we get there. We're oftentimes getting into bracket play uh, and into that final uh, kind of down to the last four or five teams right. at each one of those age levels as we go down to state in July. So we're very happy with the success we've seen at the state level. Uh, we've competed very, very well at the local level in our, our northern Minnesota tournaments. And um, like I said, uh, things are he- have been heading in the right direction, and we're just looking to kind of to build on that momentum. That is always good to hear. Last question before we go to our first break of this second hour. Obviously, registration deadlines and websites to register, we've brushed on that. But it's not a situation where families register a kid and then just wish them the best of luck. Are there are there parent meetings to attend? How does this get started so parents know what they're in for in joining 709 Baseball? Yep, we've got a town hall meeting. Uh, that'll be via Zoom. Uh, we used to do it in person, but um, we found it uh, the participation goes a lot higher when we're able to do it virtually. That'll be February 15th uh, this year. All the details and login links can, again, be found at Duluth709.com. Uh, for uh, you to learn about where your son and daughter are likely to be playing, the details of evaluations, and uh, making sure that you guys are getting squared away for a great spring and summer as part of our program. Absolutely. We are talking baseball with Seth Marsalik of 709 Baseball. He's going to stick around with us until noon. We're just getting started. We're going to take a little bit of a hard left turn and go to some hockey. We're going to give away some UMD tickets. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hockey is calling our name for now. Our name, of course, is the Northland Sports Page. My name is Brian Prudhomme. His name is Dave Cook. We are unable to do this show without great sponsors every week. We're going to plug the heck out of one in just a moment, give away some UMD hockey tickets, but let's pay homage to all of them. Absolutely. Rolla Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina and Associates, Avenue 45, Brian Bement Mortgages with Supreme Lending, Mountain Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota at KohlerToyota.com, and Kohler Hyundai at KohlerHyundai.com, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, The Incline Station, the new location for Famous Dave's, which, I mean, again, up by Sam's Club, 
Uh, it's an opportunity you can eat in, you can take out, and you can always get catering from Famous Dave's. Right, and look for a show of ours there very soon. And the Blackwoods Group. I mean, and we have a lot going on with the Blackwoods Group right now. I mean, if you're interested, if you're looking at getting married or you have a family event that you want on a specific weekend this summer, you better hop to it right now. They still have uh, some openings, so you're going to want to call Jax. Uh, she'll help you take care of that, 218 218- 722-7466. Like I said, there's still some dates available. And I know just last year, looking for dates for when Avery was getting married, you had to be out a couple years. So if, if you're looking for specific dates, now's the time to give them a call. Yeah, you got to get those while the getting's good. Because as I said, I got married there. I think I booked the date before I even met my wife. So that's how proactive that's you've got to be buddy. to get that's Blackwoods planning. going the right direction. But Blackwoods blessed us with four tickets to tonight's UMD Western Michigan men's hockey game so we're going to give those away right now we hope because you've got to get some trivia questions right absolutely it's it's going to be an interesting thing we've got a couple of really good trivia questions we've got some questions that will also test some local knowledge it'll be fun absolutely so we've got blackwoods bulldog trivia so some of it will be hockey related but a lot of it will be blackwoods menu item related. as it should be right so we've got will peterson and will is one of the best young hockey minds we're about to find out. Will, are you going to be a good Blackwoods menu mind? Good morning, sir. Good morning, Brian. I sure hope so. Looking looking forward to it. Now, where are you? Because to say it's quiet behind you would be a lie. What's going on this morning? Yeah, so I'm in the parking lot at the Hermitown Arena, and the, uh, the local 148 is doing some flyovers. It's uh, it's rather loud, but we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna power through it. All right, so we're ready to power through these questions. We're gonna try to make it easy for you in the sense of you've only got to get one to get yourself four tickets. Do you want to start with a hockey question or a Blackwoods question? You know, let's go Blackwoods first. All right, so Blackwoods has two menu items that are related to UMD. Can you name either one of them? Oh, the Bulldog Bites. I get that every time. Oh, yes, sir. Somebody was a Blackwoods fan. That was very easy. Would you like to switch to hockey for a Blackwoods gift card to be included? I'm going to interrupt for a second. How many yeah, people? Let's, let's go hockey. How many people in the region, if you asked Blackwood's food item, not just UMD, would start with the bulldog bite? I think a lot of them. I'm actually so very proud that Will did because the other item is an alcoholic beverage, and I know Will's a good prep student, <laughs> so if he knew that one, I'd be a little concerned. All right, so the hockey question: UMD's opponent is Western Michigan tonight. Where is Western Michigan located? Uh, Kalamazoo. Boom. You are way too smart, but I think I knew this going in. So how about four tickets and 20 bucks to Blackwoods? Does that work for you? That works great. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's, let's connect on how to get you those. Thank you for playing. Have a good rest of your weekend. I know you're going to have a good night tonight. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you. No worries. Boy, that was easy. We need <laughs> yeah, an easy button right? for our trivia contest. <laughs> did you know the answers? I, I did know that. Well, I might have struggled with Kalamazoo. Right, I might have started with Houghton and then got in trouble because I was the wrong Michigan team, and right. that would have been okay. But the uh, just the confidence in the answers, right? Like, mm, got this. He was like, "Wake me up when I need to think about yes, these." Exactly. That was that was pretty good. That wasn't bad at all. I thought maybe somebody would say in the western portion of Michigan. Would we have had to accept that for where Western <laughs> Michigan is located? No, it's not wrong. No, but that's a little broad. You could have also said the UP. You could have also said uh, the north of the Mason Dixon line if you're going to go there. So. Well, how about the fact that I did at least say where is Western Michigan located? Because when I went through the questions pre-show with you today, what did I say in the way that I phrased the question, and what did you say? Uh, what did you say? Where Where is Western Michigan? No, that would, I, that would be the right question. What I said was UMD plays Western Michigan tonight. Where is that located? And Dave quickly said uh, Amsoil. Yep. That wouldn't that have been, been wrong either. <laughs> right, that would have been a boom. That was easy. Now we bring back in Seth Marsalik. Did you know the answers? 
The Bulldog Bites is a slam dunk. I think everyone knows something about Bulldog Bites. But Kalamazoo, I probably would have gone with Western Michigan, hoping for a little grace on your part. <laughs> nice, nice. I think I would have given it to you. So we're going to you know, shift. Go ahead. Let's talk about Eventually the, we're going to shift. Dave Cook about, has something to say. Well, let's talk about the other things that, that Blackwoods has that are UMD related for just a second. Well, you want me to talk about the UMD Bulldog? You want me to talk about an alcoholic beverage? Yes. I can do that Let's on a different time. Let's do that time. real quick. Anybody who's at a Colorado Bulldog, and if you've ever been to Grandma's Sports Garden back in the day with me, you did. They call theirs the UMD Bulldog. Simple as that. Yep, and and people go there specifically for it. You know, that's the crazy thing. When we talk Blackwoods, it's like Bulldog Bites, boom. And when you talk Blackwoods, uh, you know, opportunities to have a bit of a toddy. Right. I mean, it's it's the it's the one you were talking about. So, well, yeah. when I talked to Colin Flaherty about that yesterday, he goes, you know, I hadn't thought of that one in a while. I'm not sure if people order it quite as often. I said, I'll stop by. They'll start <laughs> Very because good. I order it plenty. So we're going to give Will Peterson four UMD tickets. They're good seats and 20 bucks at Blackwoods. It sounds like a good group outing. It does. Sounds like a great evening. I was kind of rooting for him to get it wrong because then I would have just taken them, but I digress. <laughs> so we're going to shift back to baseball. Let's talk about the shift. Major League Baseball is getting rid of it. <sighs> good, bad, or indifferent. Well, I think the shift is going to happen. It's just not going to be infielders. Now, if you've got Max Kepler, you're bringing in your left fielder to play deep second base. And until Max Kepler learns to hit the ball in the left field, he's putting millions of dollars that he's thrown away because he won't learn to hit the ball in the left field. Literally, right. millions of dollars tossed in the burner. And I need to ask Seth about this because, again, there was such scrutiny about the Luisa Rice trade because who trades a batting champion? The answer is the Minnesota Twins not once but twice in team history. But everybody said, well, batting average isn't the way you measure a player, and I agree. But people have also said, well, that's going to come back into more importance now because the shift is gone. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, on both fronts, I would tell you I'm in complete agreement with Dave. The, the game in its best form requires adaptation, and uh, pitching has clearly adapted to the hitting here over the last decade in terms of finding a higher strikeout rate and getting the batting average down on average. I think the batting average is down about 40, 50 right. points over the last 10 yep. years. Um, and it's the hitter's requirement to start adjusting. If somebody's going to give you something, you need to be able to take it. Whether that's sexy or not, take the hit. So are we all saying that the team. shift could have been able to stay? I feel yes. like that's what we're all saying. I've said it from the beginning. Yep. Just make an adjustment. Yep. Just because somebody figures something out doesn't mean the other side of the fence can't adjust as well. So, again, mm -hmm. that's the best part of the game is being able to adjust without having to change the rules. How many times in the last three years have we said, just lay down a bunt? They're not even playing you over there in the infield. Right. That's the obvious take. You know, it looks so easy. Why can't they do it? I want to wonder out loud how it changes the fundamentals that you guys teach at the younger levels because if you're emulating pro players, everybody's going up there trying to hit bombs. You shouldn't have to do that. Or should you? Well, I would tell you that that's exactly how we teach it. We want kids to hit the bar as far as possible. Okay. We For most uh, young ones, it's uh, – developing an aggressive mindset and being able to say, look, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to attack and get them to overcome the fear of failure. That is a huge part of success in baseball is being able to cope. And quite frankly, that's a huge part of being successful at life is being able to cope. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's a different topic for a different show, but I agree with you. We'll again, do that another Saturday. Being able to hit the ball to the fence and beyond is something we clearly teach, but we also need to be able to play the game the right way, which means giving what the defense takes us. Getting back to her eyes for a second, I would tell you that the batting average is not what's going to be missed. What's going to be missed is the presence. Right. It, yeah. It's not, it's not just at the box office, but that's in the that's in the clubhouse. Confidence. Yep. Super well respected. Clearly an inherent leader of that team. Not just a fan favorite, and it's not just replacing the on base percentage, but it's replacing the character 
in the dugout. And that's, I think, uh, the equation that Derek and friends maybe didn't uh, factor in. I think you're right, but at the same time, this is a team that has always needed more pitching. Always. So you've got to spend money to make money kind of thing. They didn't get the free agents, so you've got to trade for it. They did. The fans said, well, no, don't trade that guy. How do they get this right? They get it right by spending the appropriate money. I think right. Scott Boris had it right uh, early on in the Correa negotiation when he said, look, there's no reason for us to give the Twins a hometown discount at the time prior to injury because he's not looking at market size. He's looking at ownership value. The Polads are a top five net worth, com- net worth entity within baseball, and they should be able to spend accordingly to support their team. If San Diego can spend – the way that San Diego spends, right. yeah. there's nothing that says the Minnesota can't do the same thing with the pocketbooks the Polats have. Go sign a Carlos Rodon right. instead of having to trade for a Pablo Lopez. 100% correct, but once it was reduced that a trade was going to have to happen to acquire a starting pitcher, I think most people were saying, well, let's trade a Max Kepler for everything that you just mentioned. He's been bad the last couple of seasons. No other way to slice it. But Max Kepler isn't going to net you a Pablo Lopez in return. So again, my question is, they had to trade a quality player to get one back, yet that was blasted. Is it fair or not? Well, here's the thing. I think the part of our eyes you have to take into consideration when you do the trade is the fact that his defensive position as a five foot ten there wasn't single one. hitter is first. There wasn't base one because his knees are bad, and you know you long term Luis Arise may be a great uh, clubhouse guy, but he's he's not going to even be a really good utility guy because he's going to be a second-base, first-base DH utility guy. Right. I've that never... sounds a lot like Tony Gwen to me. Except mm. he could play left field because his knees weren't horrible. Well, there's that. It's interesting because this is a trade where I'm not sure anybody loses, but I'm not sure anybody wins. Now we look at the Jefferson Diggs trade for the Vikings, and everybody won, no mm-hmm. question. This one, I don't think there's a huge loser, but there's not a huge winner either. Let's, let's say Arise hits 300-ish with five homers and 40 RBIs and plays a mediocre second because that's where they're putting him. Let's say Pablo Lopez goes 11 and 8 with an ERA of 4. Everybody went, "Eh, okay." Well, we got we got another solid pitch to contact guy. Seth was talking about high strikeout rates. We're not going to get that from him, so we have to play defense as well. Otherwise, this could be bad. Well, let me ask a guy who was a heck of a pitcher in his own day, Seth Marsalek, pitch to contact and pitch to sweet spot are two different things. How does pitch to contact actually be effective? Pitch to contact's effective when you're ahead in counts. If you're falling behind each and every hitter, you're going to get barreled up. Right. And then we're going to have problems. But for a guy like Lopez, he's going to work ahead, he's efficient, and he's going to stay off the barrel. That's where he's going to see a success. And he's not a five or six Ks per nine guy. He's an eight or nine Ks per nine guy, and he'll be able to hold his his own in that regard. So you're getting a quality player back. Yeah. So let me ask you the ultimate question because you brought up Ks per nine, which is always a skewed stat because we're actually pretending that a pitcher is going to go nine. With Rocco Baldelli's philosophy, it should be K's through four and two-thirds. Is any of this going to matter if Rocco doesn't loosen the strings on actually extending arms? No, it's not. I think they have a very special thing going in their bullpen, and they see that as their strength. But at the same time, when, you're, when your starting arm is rolling, you need to let him do what he does All right, and so save in your, the arms for another day. So in your opinion, who's making that call? Because there's been a debate whether or not Rocco is strictly an analytics manager or if it's Felvian Levine playing part- and he's just bowing down. That's one and the same. They hired Rocco because they, he feels the same way they do about how they want to utilize the rotation. They wouldn't have hired him if, they didn't, if he didn't believe along those same lines. You know, Brian, one of the things that I think has changed in the major leagues is 
even just 10 years ago, you used to, if you were going to watch a game on TV or if you're going to go, you said, who's the starting pitchers? Right. It doesn't matter anymore. Like if you, if you, if the Yankees were coming to town and you weren't a big Yankee guy and when Clemens was there, if Clemens pitched, that was a big deal. Or if Messina was pitching, that was a big deal. Correct. And now none of, I mean, unless it's Cole or maybe Verlander, that really doesn't I wouldn't mind matter. seeing Otani throw. Okay, so you got three now. Right. I just otherwise, had to add one. Otherwise, if it's a White Sox game, you're like, mm. Well, it reminds me of when I was a teenager going to Twins games. I saw way too much of Willie Banks and the other Pat Mahomes. Yeah, that, that's fact. Just, that's kind of, Hope I have good, fun anyway. How you good know? would Willie Banks be now? He went four innings usually. Right. Well, who was it? Adalberto Mejia that used to go four and two thirds and tip his cap? I laughed every time. <laughs> who are you Carl, tipping your Carlos cap to? Silva. Remember Silva? Did well, kind of the same Silva thing. was different, though. He could throw a complete game in 85 pitches. Yeah, that's sure good. That was completely different. So you talk about still teaching kids at 709 to hit the baseball as far as they can. It sounds like a simple and effective philosophy. But apply it to Major League Baseball because we just got rid of Luis Arise, which was met with at least somewhat controversy. We signed Joey Gallo, which is the polar opposite. He's going to hit a buck 90, but maybe hit 35 balls out of the ballpark. Which one of those should be more attractive to a major league franchise? I think the truth is always somewhere in the middle when it comes to Correct. things like that. I think what the twin, Twins are speculating on in both those moves is that the, uh, the rule changes are going to hurt somebody like Arise where they're going to help somebody like Gallo, right? Gallo's not going to hit 190 without the shift. He's going to hit 230, 240 inherently because they can't load up one side of the field. Right. Um, I will say this, though. For a guy like Gallo, you can't strike out one of out of every three at bats, or Miguel Sano, or anybody that wants to hit five through seven. Real quick, lineup. how about Kenny Vargas getting signed somewhere before Miguel Sano did? By the way, that happened this week. It's going to be interesting to see if Sano gets signed, and it goes back to what we've talked about a hundred times. Kepler plays defense. Sano hit better than Kepler. Kepler's defense better be pretty good. Well, here's the interesting part too, because. I've defended the Twins probably too far. I'm sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows when it comes to Twins because I love the sport, I love the team, I love going. But all of the free agents that the Twins didn't bring back are still available. Isn't that an indictment on the whole brass? Yes. The Dylan Bundys, the Miguel Sanoas, et cetera, don't have homes right now. How about the, the bullpen guy that we got from Detroit? I mean, he's still out Michael there. Michael Fulmer. And I thought he pitched pretty well for us. I did too, but if he's lost that slider, he's lost a reason to be in the big leagues. Yep. Yeah, and it also speaks to their propensity to want to spend. In reality, they're filling out the back end of their roster with guys that, quite frankly, aren't desirable. But if they were filling out the top end of their roster with guys that required you to pay them, the back end of the roster would find the depth that you needed to through that same process. So we've talked a lot about big league baseball, and I always look at different sports and the players that are discussed as a way to kind of determine how old somebody is. When somebody brings up a certain player as the best in the game – and I go, oh, well, you didn't watch so-and-so. And then people older than me say the same thing. When you're dealing with kids at 709, who are the players that they buzz about? Who do they want to be? Uh, well, you brought one up. I think a guy like Otani is uh, generational. You know, he's, no. when you talk about kids, especially kids that are getting older, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids or even kids in high school, once you get to college, oftentimes you're made to choose. The difference between, hey, I'm going to hit or I'm going to pitch. A guy like Otani and others like him, if you're able to become the athletic freak that he is, right? Uh, I tell you what, that's how you're able to do it beyond high school. You got to hit the, the training. You got to get uh, faster, stronger, and be able to develop that 14 year old Scandinavian body into something that doesn't otherwise happen unless you want it to. 
Right. So again, a guy like Otani is, I think, uh, great for these guys to see yeah. because it, uh, it it resets the bar in terms of what's possible. I think it does as well. So last question for me for Seth Marsalik of 709 Baseball before we go to another break, and AKA we're going to switch sports on you because I know you talk a lot of other sports as well. When our friendship strengthened, it was courtesy of a different sport. That's a spoiler alert of where we're going to close the show. But for baseball, the question always is, is baseball dying? Now, you mentioned a 1,000 kids that are hopefully going to sign up and play. That would tell me no. But if I took a drink for every time I said pace of play, you think I walk bad now, it would be ridiculous. Baseball's trying to fix itself and attract more fans and more casuals, if you will. Can it do it? And if not, why not? Um, I think they're trying to fix it between the lines. And I, as, a, as a baseball truist, per se, I'm not a proponent of pitch clocks. I'm not a proponent right. of electronic strike zones. There's a human factor to each and everything we do in our lives. And I think not just baseball, but every professional sport is overanalyzed. Football yes. probably being at the top of the list. We need to be able to accept that people make mistakes. And sure, it gives you guys talking points. It sure does. Saturday. Thank you, Angel Hernandez. But nowhere in life are any of us ever going to be perfect. Right. Baseball's the same way. Is it slower than in most sports? Absolutely. It requires attention to detail. It requires a trained eye. But I think baseball can do better in terms of what happens outside the lines, the type of experience they provide at the ballpark, and making it more than just, hey, we're here to stare at a baseball game. Right. Here we're here to have a business meeting. Here we're here to take the kids somewhere where we can watch a baseball game and do other things. But is that an indictment on the sport because, hey, we're going to get people in and the sport isn't why? I don't think that's true of the three other majors, at least. And that's okay. I don't think baseball has to be the three other majors. It has to be true to itself and and be able to attract people that see the virtue in the game for what it is. So, Dave Cook, my question for you would be, because I think the three of us are of the same ilk that we're baseball purists or truists, as Seth called it, is baseball going to sacrifice the folks that have stuck with them forever in tweaking it so much to attract folks that haven't? You know I've said this for years, Brian. Baseball's an art because there's things like, like Seth was saying, it's trained eye. What it's not is a science because it is – a game that goes a little bit slower. And if you're taking the art out of the game, which is what they're doing, uh, you know, we talked about uh, robo-umps in the past. There's no art to robo-umps. That's all science. And baseball is not, people don't come to watch uh, Rembrandt paint by numbers, right? But I would come to see Billy Martin and Earl Weaver try to argue with a robot. I would come see that. (laughs) How much fun would that have been? One more time, Seth Marsalek, as we switch off of baseball, but I want to close with the pertinent information Journalism 101, the who, what, when, where, why. Registration deadline is when, and to register for 709, how? End of the month. Uh, through the end of February, we're taking registrations, uh, and we're going a little further into that for Lake Park and Western. Beyond that, you can find that at Duluth709.com, or excuse me, Duluth709baseball.com, and you'll see all of the younger affiliates listed on that website. A town hall meeting February 15th to learn more about what exactly the season entails beyond the details already provided on the website. And we look forward to seeing you at that and throughout the summer. Absolutely. It is beautiful to talk about baseball. But when I first met this man, it was on a basketball court. We're going to talk a little bit about that for drawing lines and close the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back on the Northland Sports page, a little smash mouth. Hey, now you're an all-star. Not so fast, Anthony Edwards. There's a hint as to what we're talking about to close the show. And it'll be courtesy of Drawing Lines, which is sponsored by one of our tremendous sponsors, the original, the OG. Absolutely. Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina Associates. We heard from him just a little bit ago. Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, Brian Bement Mortgages with Supreme Lending, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai, KohlerToyota.com. 
and CollarHyundai.com. Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, the Incline Station, and the new location for Famous Dave's. Absolutely, up in Hermantown. Check that out. You can probably check us out there come March. We hope to do a live show up there. A little bit off topic, but not entirely. We talked a lot of baseball. We could actually combine sponsors and have a pretty ideal battery. Ryan Arola was a heck of a catcher. Seth Marsala could pitch. I'll take it. Absolutely. And if Seth's arm got a little bit sore, Justin May did a little bit of athletic training back in the day. Absolutely. We've got you covered just about everywhere. Ryan Arola every week covers drawing lines. We're going to cover did Ant get snubbed. But I think we'll go deeper than that because otherwise our segment would just be, yep. Yep. <laughs> That's correct. We're seeing him take the third year jump and and it's a lot of fun. And truly, we look at it, you know, we're a little um, provincial here. And so we're looking at our guy uh, getting snubbed. But, you know, there's a lot of good players out there that didn't make it as well. Well, and he mentioned that first. He being Anthony Edwards, he was interviewed about it and handled it better than anybody I think ever could. He said, you know, I wasn't surprised I didn't get in. I was surprised De'Aaron Fox didn't. He went right to, well, maybe you snubbed me, maybe you didn't, but here's who you actually did. Yeah, and then the Lakers, of course, went apoplectic because Anthony Davis didn't get in. It's like, God, he he played a third of the games. He was really good for that third, but really? Well, and can we talk about that, too? Because injuries are one thing. Load management is very much another. We've already talked about that ad nauseum on this show, but shouldn't somebody like Anthony Edwards at least get a little bit of a playful nudge in the all-star direction just for being there Arriving. night in and night out? Oh, I think his numbers are there, clearly. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's not just being available, but being available has got to be the tiebreaker. He's in a year where we've been downtrodden with injury, and quite frankly, since Towns has gone down, we've played better as a group. Correct. And that speaks to what Anthony's done beyond just the stat line in terms of his leadership, his ability to to lead a team uh, and get them cohesively playing together. Yeah. Like For those reasons, beyond the stats, right. I mean, he's there. Well, Rise this is, to the occasion. Absolutely. And this is a bit of an oversimplified take, but you just said it with the provincial nature, and this is our guy. This is our guy. But the rest of the nation doesn't even notice our area very often. You know, PA will call it the cornfields. Barrero will call it flyover country. Is it as simple as that again? I wouldn't think because Minnesota was a playoff team last year that they're an afterthought still, but they've been a playoff team once every 10 to 15 years. Do you have to prove it more to get attention? Yes. Um, the, the trick to it is, uh, I think if the Wolves go on a run last year because they were hot yeah. and all that, I think that's different. I think then we get noticed a little bit more. But last year ended so goofy, and, and then Memphis went on a little bit of a run that, you know, John Morant is very marketable as well. And so I think Memphis got kind of the bump that we should have got. Right, and the marketability part, I know it's a factor, but I think it's a bit of a detriment too. And this has been a debate for every sport. We had the debate two, three segments ago about whether All-Star games need to be scrapped entirely. Charles Barkley, although he didn't say it eloquently, shocking, he said, might be time to stop fans from voting. Are we there? Uh, for, the, for that purpose, absolutely. The fans are already engaged in that game at a higher level than they ever have before. you got to get those selections right. Give those that uh, have earned those spots both through their statistical play and their availability the opportunity to showcase their talents on the largest scale. That's that uh, is true in all the all-star games. You remember when dad was actually on, we talked about that a little bit because there was nothing worse for him in a baseball all-star game than the guy who wasn't all that great, but had a great first half and the fans went, well, Oh, we love this but that's guy. That's what it is. Right. But it used to be players voting and, and managers voting. And those guys got a hat tip for having a great half year, but they weren't in the all-star game. You know, they, they it was the guys that tried and true guys. The All-Stars were in the All-Star game. 
not some guy that hit 320 in his first right. 25 games of, of his career. Oh, and I'm not necessarily in favor of fans voting either because we've had times, obviously, in baseball where, you know, Toronto did it, Kansas City did it, where all the fans showed out and every position player led the balloting, whether they were hitting 320 or 210. But at the same time, I can see where leagues don't mind because you just said it, marketability. Mm-hmm. All they care about is money. Yep. So the fans tell you who they want to watch. They put them out there and they don't care. That's fact. That's very true. So how do you fix it? You don't. I, you don't. I mean, unless you're willing to go back to uh, having the people that know what they're talking about vote, you need to do it this way for what you said, marketability. Mountain Dew can sponsor it, right? And so there's an additional fund. That's fair. So I guess the other question with Ant is, where does this team go with him? Because Rudy's in and out. Cat, it doesn't sound like any improvements are being made. But Seth, you said it. Improvements to this team have been made without him. I think the the big key there as to where we go is getting back the draft picks you gave up for Gobert. And the only way you do that is you move towns. Yep. You move towns, you, you pay Nas Reed what he's earned at this point, and you take back uh, what you gave up for Kessler in terms of what you get back for towns, and you move ahead. What's your take on the Rudy trade? Because we live in a society where your take isn't warranted if it's not extreme. There are people that love him because of what he's done, and I get it. There are people that hate the trade and call it Herschel Walker of the NBA because we gave up everything, and even a guy named Walker in the mix as well. But unless Utah goes on to win multiple NBA championships, I don't think that's fair either. What's your take on what Rudy Gobert brings or doesn't bring to this team? I certainly, I mean, clearly they needed to address the defensive uh, uh, magnitude of, of what he provides them through that trade. That's clearly what uh, hurt us in the Grizzlies series last year. And they wanted to backfill that in order to take the next steps along the progression of becoming a championship team. The problem is they just gave up way, way, way too much. They mortgaged their future for an aging center, and now you have to figure out how to adapt to that. So, uh, again, I think there's ways to do that within terms of how this team has evolved. Uh, but giving up five first-round draft picks and the uh, and probably the defensive rookie of the year in Walker Kessler right. is just way too much. In the end, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, I can see why they did it. Um, but in the end, looking back on it, they clearly got fleeced. We at the time were, we at the time said, huh? Like we, after we thought about it for a minute, it was like, okay, I kind of get it. But initial reaction was we did what for who? Well, the way we unloaded, you'd think Rudy Gobert was the best big man in the game. He may be defensively. He's not the best big man in the game. And the Sacramento Kings exposed what happens when Rudy Gobert is in, in crunch time in the overtime game the other day when they just right. when Sabonis left and they went to a guy who could actually move and and they just embarrassed and us that defensively. from the minute Gobert was acquired was the fear that we were turning back the clock playing 80s 90s basketball with two bigs on the floor even though Cat obviously isn't there now but how can you do that mobility wise I guess the other question though too because the NBA again markets its stars better than any league so you have a star player will travel kind of thing you'll make a run but with the Wolves are the role players more important than ever because the way this team looks, minus Kyle Anderson, minus Torian. Prince, is ridiculous. But numerically, they don't jump off paper. Is the NBA quietly telling us veteran role players matter? Oh, absolutely. Look at the guys like uh, P.J. Tucker. Finds, right. Finds his way into a championship setting every year. Why? Plays great defense. Bobby Portis. Pops it from the corner. Caldwell Pope. Like I said, de- depth is the difference between winning and losing when you're in a, in a five-point game. And that's why those types of those depth role players are critical to success. I think the marketing problem the NBA really has is the de-emphasis they've put on winning. It's 
let us promote our stars, let us market our game, increase revenue. But then they share. don't even do that right either because you've got the kid who traveled 3,000 miles or whatever to see Jimmy Butler play. And oh, by the way, he's not tonight. Yeah. Systemically, they have a problem in terms of competition. Look at a guy like Kyrie Irving. He's what Brooklyn is what the number one or number two seed in the East right now. Right. And he's demanding a trade down the stretch because he doesn't like his contract. There's a locker room guy nobody should want. I mean, in the end, that is the problem that the NBA has to deal with is how do you get back to prioritizing winning a title? I don't know that they'll ever want to do that because they're making money hand over fist, but they're degrading the integrity of the game in the process. I agree with you. So we basically got two minutes left. The Wolves are at the proverbial halfway point. I talked to you about this in the car on the way here today. Every time they get a win and we go, now we roll, like they did Wednesday against the Warriors, they turn around and they go thud like they did last night against the Magic. Where is this team going postseason-wise? Well, I think that we kind of touched on the two big things. One is Ant's growth, and two, what impact Cat's going to have when he comes back. And we, if Cat goes off and we're a 500, I mean, if Cat puts Cat numbers up and we go 500 the rest of the way, you got to move him because he's not helping you win. That would make my bold prediction look good because yeah. on New Year's Eve, I said before the end of the calendar year 2023, that Carl Anthony Towns will play for somebody else. That doesn't mean he's a bad player, right? It Not just at all. means he doesn't impact our winning. I can't wait for the scrutiny in today's society, though, when the Wolves get rid of that because statistically he is their best player, but you've got to look at it deeper and make it make sense. Seth, they're going to make the playoffs with a 10-team play-in tournament. I think that's a gimme, but how far can they go? They'll get bounced in the play-in game. I think they'll be 7 through 10. They'll lose in that opening round. You heard it here first. And in the end, you look at a guy like Pat Beverly willing them to success last year. If you don't have the dog on your roster, it's going to be hard to win a close game in the playoffs. That is absolutely spoken like an experienced Minnesota sports fan. Seth Marsalik, thank you for the hour today. Dave Cook, thank you for two once again. Absolutely. No, it was fun. And I've said Pat Bev needs to be back for quite a while. I agree now with Now you've that. got an ally. Yep. You, got, you guys can hug it out. That's it for us. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to all of our guests. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll see you next week.